Hi family, welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real life application? Then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy, and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood, and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's Word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know that I have a study guide that I have written, sisters just like you, who really want to know the deeper things of God, who want to understand God's attributes like love, God is truth, God is righteous, he's just. What does it mean that he's omnipresent and omniscient? And what does that mean for you personally? When people talk about Jesus and being justified and sanctified and to be redeemed, and how can you apply it to your daily life? And so many other questions like, can we really trust the Bible? And who are we as man? Is hell real? These are great questions that we need to know the answers to as we are walking in our Christ-like faith. To love him is to know him. And Jesus said that we will be worshiping him in spirit and truth. And it is the truth that sets us free. So if you want to go deeper in your walk with God and have more understanding of the things that he has truly done for you and know more of the word for yourself, I highly recommend this study guide. I will have a link for you in the show notes on where you can get it. It is on Amazon and it's called Equipping the Saints. I hope this episode blesses you. Hi, sisters. Welcome back. We are in John chapter two, and today we're going to be going over verses 12 through 17. We're going to get right into it starting now. After this, he went down to Capernaum and he, his mother, his brothers and his disciples, they went, they did not stay there for many days. Mm -hmm. The Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons. And the money changers sitting there and making a whiff of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So we're going to unpack this a little bit. <laughs> it's a little bit more than just the temple tables being thrown over. First of all, um, this is going to be his, um, so his public ministry. Now, mind you, when he did his first miracle, it was among friends and family. This is now his first public uh, miracle. And yes, it's a miracle. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute. So this, and it's funny because this, he ends up cleansing the temple twice. And a lot of people don't realize that. He cleanses it now to begin his ministry. And he's going to cleanse it again right before his crucifixion. He's going to do it again three years later. And that's very interesting that God, and only God, has rule over the temple of God, does that to start his public ministry and to end it. What a bookmark. And I thought that was beautiful. And I'm going to kind of build this up so you guys kind of understand. So Passover. So this is where the Jews would celebrate from Exodus chapter 12, which you guys can go and read, um, where they would have the feasts 
um, from when they were children, they were Hebrew slaves, and they got delivered from Pharaoh and went into the wilderness, the wilderness, and they had to do the Passover lamb. And they, remember, they did the blood on the. Did everybody watch Prince of Egypt? That'd be like the most basic. Okay, so this is something that they would celebrate every year, and Jews had to come in. I'm really simplifying this. I'm telling you, we could spend two weeks just on these few verses. So that Jews would come in from all over in order to bring sacrifices to the temple for the atonement of their sins. They would also have to pay a temple tax. So you've got millions, about a million or more. Some people, some Josephus <coughs> thought maybe two million. So we'll just keep it conservative. You've got about a million people coming into Jerusalem right now. This place is happening. This makes Belden on the Saturday before Christmas look like a cakewalk, okay? It is like packed out to the house, right? They're all coming in, and so this place is packed. You've got the Roman guards. They're kind of sitting up above, watching down. they got to make sure everything stays okay, no fights incur. they got to make sure that there's no riots, right? So they're kind of overseeing the whole thing. Got all these people coming in. You've got the money changers sitting there because they would have to exchange whatever money they brought in, just like us when we get to Honduras or we're gonna be going to Mexico, we have to exchange our American dollar for theirs so that we can spend our money there. That's what's going on. They're, they're exchanging the different currencies. Um, one thing with the Jewish people, this had become so corrupt, a, one thing, a lot of people were traveling from so far, they really couldn't bring their own animals. It had just been too much to travel with all those animals. So they would just buy animals at the temple in order to sacrifice. But here's the thing. Even if you lived close enough and you could bring some animals, it had become so corrupt that the Jewish people would actually, the people, the um, money changers and, and the extortioners would actually be like, mm, that animal's not good enough. Sorry, you can't use it for a sacrifice. So buy mine. It's like double price. And they had gotten wise to that. They knew that. And so they just, they knew just to come and bring their money and whatever. Now, mind you, Jesus would have been at this, at this, at this temple every year his whole life. We know he was there when he was 12, but he was a Jew, he was Jewish. And so he would have come every single year to the temple, even in his twenties, he would have been there, but this is now he's coming as the Messiah. And we're going to see a different Jesus when he comes as the Messiah and that ex and, and, and all those robbers, they were there. Those extortioners were there. They were just that, that same Pharisee religion was there every other time he came. But now he's coming in the power of God as the Messiah. And so I just want you guys to get that picture. So he's our redeemer. He is now our Passover lamb. I just want to throw that out there. We don't sacrifice animals anymore because he is the Passover lamb. He redeemed us out of the slave market of sin like we talked about if you were on the Colossians one. And, he, and now we, we're walking out our wilderness now while we're here on this earth. And our promised land is going to be in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Right? And so that's kind of like that just little side note there. So, um, so these people were coming from all over the world. Um, and I'm sorry, I get kind of like, uh, one thing too about the money, um, which I thought was interesting, the, um, Roman money that they would have been exchanging actually had like pagan mottos on it. And it was like very pagan and technically it would not have, technically God would not have accepted that in the temple. That would not have been okay to give pagan money to God's temple. Although it's not like, uh, like what, what, what they would call, um, an inherent sin. But it's still a sin, and it's enough to hold, put a crack in you that the enemy, you're giving the, the enemy a license to, to, to mess up in your life. And I want to talk about that, because although it's not an inherent sin, we have things in our life that we wink at. That we wink at. And we think, oh, 
it's okay to do that. It's not that big a deal. Does God really care if I eat too much pizza? Does God really care if I'm smoking? Does God really care if I cuss? Does God really care? Well, yeah, he does. <laughs> he does anything that controls us, anything that has a, a control over us, anything, right? And we just want to be careful because they do, that does give the enemy cracks in our life. It does give him a license to cause chaos in our life. And so I just kind of want to throw that out there because you don't, we don't want to give the enemy any license in our life. So we got the money changers. They're exploit, they're exploiting poor people. Um, they're, they're, they got, they're taking advantage of the foreigners They're taking advantage of the, uh, poor people with the doves. They set up their court in the court of Gentiles, which was the only place that Gentiles could go. We weren't allowed to go in the inner court. we've talked about that before because of what Jesus did. You and I sitting here today, I don't think there's any actual Jewish people sitting here today. We're all Gentiles. We're now able to go to the Holy of Holies and Read Ephesians because that will really help you understand. And we've talked about that before. These people cared nothing for pure worship of God. These people cared nothing about the laws anymore. It was all about getting rich off of God. It was all about what look making it look good with rituals, but their hearts were dead bones on the inside. God, that remind and we and this is what he was dealing with back then is and then sadly we are there again we are in a we are in apostate we are in an, a state of apostasy we've got charlatans everywhere false teachers abounding on the tvs and all across this nation they'll tell you anything you want to hear just so you'll give them the, your money they're they're peddling their books they're peddling their conferences and it's all about the money and it's all about the fame and you know and guys that it's a dead religion it's a dead religion. It's not Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is love. Jesus Christ is a supernatural God that wants to supernaturally touch you and me in a supernatural way and break bondages and break sin off of you and get you, and make you holy as he is holy. He's not, we don't peddle nothing. I mean, we've had people ask us, does it cost anything to go live? Do we have to pay? What? The gospel was given to us freely and freely we give it away. As long as I'm preaching the gospel, it will be given away freely. Amen. And that is, that is how it should be, you guys. We should not be trying to get rich or famous off the gospel. And trust me, if you are, you're going to have to compromise. Right. Because the true gospel is offensive in this generation. And so here's Jesus. So he comes in and he, he sees all this religiousness. He sees that, that, that all of this, it's, it's become a mall. It's become a marketplace. And it's actually keeping people from being able to worship the one true God, the holy God of Israel. Right? And that's what's happening in church today. We're so focused on our programs. We're so focused on our three, what do you call it, Steve? Three dirt. Three songs in a dirge that we don't even pay attention to the person sitting beside us. Right. We don't even pay attention to what God's trying to do, who's trying to minister to, or where he, we're just, we're so, here's God in this religion, mad, righteously angry. And now I want you to pay attention to the miraculous part of this. I just told you there's at least a million people. There, there's money being exchanged. There's animals everywhere. They predict about a quarter million animals were being slaughtered. That's a lot of blood. It's a lot of animal sacrifice. A lot going on. You got the Roman guards making sure everything's going to stay right. Here comes this guy that nobody knows. No one knows who Jesus is. He comes in and he literally drives them all out. That's a miracle. They leave. What in all things? Do not tell me some guy doesn't walk through my door right now and start flipping tables. How many of you guys are going to stand up and take him to the ground and then call Franklin police? 
right? Now, times that by a million, this is people's livelihood. They live for this Passover. They're getting rich. Some guy that nobody knows comes walking in the temple, rebukes them all, flips their money. It would have been a ruckus. Like, I'm like picturing like, no, it would have been a ruckus. There's flying everywhere. No. There's like some blood being tossed. They're like, right. And here's what people are doing they're grabbing their animals, they're trying to pick up whatever money's being thrown on the floor, and they're running out of the temple. And here's the Roman guards. Just stand there watching it. Now, we know that is not what the Roman guards would have done. Right? So there's something very supernatural going on here. Something's different about this man called Jesus where he's able to have that kind of power and that kind of authority over a temple. And he's not a priest. He's not a Pharisee. He is not elite in their system. He's just some random guy that walks in there. This is a miracle. It's a supernatural miracle because only God could have walked in the temple that he owns and drive everybody out. And, Amen. and there's no history, there's nothing written in history that there was a stampede or that anybody got hurt. Because God was not in the business of hurting people. But he is in the business of judging people. And you've got to understand that when Jesus did this, it's very prophetic. Because he's going to come back again. And he's going to cleanse the temples again, I promise you. Yep. So it's really important to see that, that Jesus is coming. It was very prophetic that he is coming. And there's also going to be a great judgment day. We're all going to stand at the white throne of judgment. And Jesus said on Matthew 7, 21 through 23, many are going to come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord. That's the same thing that was going on here. Oh, God, didn't we do this and don't we do that? And don't I go to church? And wasn't I at the Friday night Bible studies? And wasn't I this and that? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. We're going to actually talk about that in a little bit later. We're going to talk, yeah, we, we're going to talk about that Willis here in a little bit because he actually confirms that here in a second. Okay, and one other thing I want you guys to take away from verse 16 where he says, Take these things away and do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. John is telling you when Jesus said, My father, that's, a, that's him saying, Me and God are one. He should have been stoned right then and there. For saying, my father, you did not call the great I am your dad. That was blasphemy. Because you are putting yourself at the same category as God. Guess what? Jesus is God. Wasn't stoned. His time didn't come yet. They couldn't do that. Jesus is always telling you he's God. He's telling you and showing you who he is. And John is wanting to bring this home. We're going to see it all through this gospel. How he's going to bring that home. Okay, so... Um, and then 17, so his disciples had remembered uh, the zeal for your house um, will eat me up. It, that was the prophetic. That's a messianic prophecy from Psalm 69.9. Um, it was written by David calling the people back to true worship. When God is dishonored, we feel the pain. And seeing God dishonored should give us a zeal. We should want God honored, his church honored, his bride honored, and we should have a reverence for him. And if it's one thing America has lost, it's the fear of the Lord. We have lost the fear of the Lord. And that's why we wink at our sin, guys, because we don't fear him. But we should have a zeal. I'll tell you what, nothing burns me up more when I start seeing false teachers teaching false things about Jesus Christ and his word. We want to have a zealousness for our Lord, a reverence for our God, and we want to make sure that his name is being reverenced. And so it's really important that we should have that as well in us. Okay. So sisters, we're going to stop right there at verse 17. And, you know, just let us have zeal for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That though we don't want to go in and flip tables and do those kind of things, we're not God. 
You know, we're not Jesus, but we are his representation here. We are his ambassadors. We're his hands and feet. And we carry around the word of God with us. We are written epistles. And so we do want to bring correction to error because error begets error. And error will lead people astray into a devil's hell. And so we want to make sure that we are preaching the true gospel and that we are, we are helping others know the real Jesus, the one of scripture, because there are many false Christs out there being represented to uh, the world and that false Christ can't save anybody. And we don't want to see anyone damned to hell and especially how heartbreaking for people to be damned there in his name but not truly ever know him as Lord because they were presented a false gospel and a false Jesus. So Lord, I just pray that you help us as the light and the salt of the earth, as the ones who walk around with the ministry of reconciliation, as the ones who are the written epistles that carry your word with us, that we would present you, the God of scripture, the only Jesus that can save. Like Paul said, there is only one gospel that saves and every other false gospel, even if an angel would bring it, no matter if it's followed by signs and wonders, or it seems really amazing. If it is not the gospel that Paul preached, if it's not the uh, gospel that you spoke of, Lord, if it's not the gospel that we have been given as a foundation by the apostles' teachings, which was written in the word of God that's been handed down to us, Lord, then it is a cursed gospel. It is not a gospel that can save. And so, Father, help us to not only have the boldness to preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ, to present the true Jesus of scripture, but also father, let us know that gospel for ourselves, that we would be zealous to know the word of God for ourselves, to not just believe every spirit that comes along, but to test every spirit so that we may know who people are operating under. Are they operating under the, the lies and the deceiver, which is Satan, or are they operating under the Holy spirit, which comes only from above? And so, Father, continue to train us and equip us and to teach us and to guide us and surround us with godly biblical teachers that can help us to rightly divide the word of truth. So, Lord, we believe that you'll do that because in 1 John it says we don't have to worry about what teachers will teach. And he's talking about false teachers there because the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. Lord, be with my sisters, Father. I pray blessings upon them. I pray blessings upon their home, upon their families, Lord. I pray for their lost loved ones to know you as personal Savior. I pray for their health, Lord, their finances, anything that they may be struggling with right now, Father, that you would just meet them right where they're at and bring comfort to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, sisters. Until next time family. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. 
it helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.